0: Hello and welcome back to another episode of The Genius Podcast. My name is Karen Doyle, your host and founder of The Genius Project. An initiative for Catholic women designed to support and resource you towards growth in all areas of your life, personal, spiritual and professional. If you're interested in any of our initiatives, I invite you to visit our website www.geniusproject.co and follow us on Instagram, Genius_Project_Daily. underscore project underscore daily. Some of the things that we offer to women through the Genius Project to help them grow in all areas of life are the Genius Podcast, which you're listening to, the Catholic Women's Masterclass, which is a four-month journey of transformation, looking at establishing rhythms of renewal in your life. We take you through a rhythm of rest and what it means to rest and cultivating a rich interior life. We look at a rhythm of restoration. We look at restoring our body, mind, soul, and spirit, how we can overcome. Toxic and limiting beliefs, as well as how we can take every thought captive and make it obedient to Christ. We look at establishing healthy and life giving routines, as well as how to cultivate deep and meaningful friendships and community. And then finally, we take a look at this rhythm of creation, where we take a look at what your unique gifts, mission, and purpose are. If you would like to find out more about the Catholic Women's Masterclass, you can do so by visiting the Masterclass page on our website or if you have any questions please send me an email karen at geniusproject.co we are also super super excited to announce our live virtual Catholic Women's Summit that's coming up in October so ladies if you are in need of some encouragement if you need to have your cup filled and you just like to be renewed and connect with other like-minded women please go to our website and register for the free live virtual Catholic Women's Summit that we'll be hosting in in October. These events have been incredible. The last one we had, we had over a thousand women joining us online for an incredible two days where we just poured into you and that is our heart again. So please check that out on the website www.geniusproject.co. It's a beautiful event and we hope that you will join us. On today's episode of the Genius Podcast, I am joined by Nina Gaynor. Nina is a Kentucky wife, mother, beekeeper and avid gardener. Her favourite flowers are whatever her boys pick for her and sunflowers. She spent much of the last decade living out of a suitcase with her husband, Wade, a formal professional baseball player. Throughout the 29 changes of address, the stress of moving a young family and working many of those years as an emergency or surgical nurse, Nina has learned to embrace the peace that comes from the steadfast accompaniment of Christ. She's also the author of two books, The Birds and the Bees, and A Garden for Mary, which is her first children's book. In today's episode, we're going to be having a conversation about her first book and the role that the Blessed Mother plays in our lives as Catholic women. I hope you enjoy this episode. Well, Nina, welcome to the Genius Podcast. It's lovely to have you joining us all the way from Kentucky in the United States.
1: Oh, Well, thank you. Thank you so much for having me. It's just a pleasure to be here.
0: Someone from Tan Books connected with me recently and let me know about a couple of books that you've been writing. And so we're going to deep dive into those today. But before we do that, I was wondering if you could give me maybe your top two um, highlights of Kentucky, because I hear so much about Kentucky as a place, it's a place I'd like to go one day. But um, what are the two standouts for you? You moved there recently. What's...
1: Well, I've been here all my life, but oh, we've moved you? a lot. So okay. I, I say that we've moved Kentucky. 30 times. Yes. And we've come to our old Kentucky home. That's the state oh. song, my old Kentucky home. But okay. uh, the two things that stand out, of course, are the Kentucky Derby,
0: Yes, which,
1: you know, horse racing and, and all that. And so we've gotten to go a few times and I used to work it when I was in college. And so wonderful, very Kentucky experience. Uh, the other thing would most people would probably say UK basketball, but I'm I'm a baseball fan. So, so um, <laughs> yeah, I, I just love our geography. We have mountains, we have yeah. uh, flat land, we have beautiful lakes and, and rivers. And it's just a wonderful place to grow up. And yeah. it's just a, a beautiful home.
0: Yeah, that's my impression from just what I hear and what I've seen that Kentucky's a very beautiful, pretty place.
1: It is. So maybe, it is.
0: Maybe one day.
1: Well, you'd be so, more than welcome to visit. Yeah.
0: Oh, I'd love to visit. My husband speaks over there quite a bit. So he's, he's seen a lot of the United States, but Kentucky's one place neither of us have been. So maybe we'll have to put that on the list. Yeah, please Nick, do. You mentioned that you've moved 30 times and I'd love to know what that was like for you. Just a little bit of background. It was linked to your husband's career. Can you share a little bit about that with us?
1: Sure. And you know, actually it's 30 times just since we've been married. So um, we both went to Western Kentucky university. Um, It's in Bowling Green, Kentucky. He played baseball there in college with my brother and we met, started dating after we both had left college. He was already playing professional baseball at that time. And then we quickly got engaged and quickly got married and we both started kind of traveling all around together. and then a, a few years into marriage, we had some babies and yeah. just kept moving, kept traveling and <laughs> but um, we always say that we were baseball gypsies because we we didn't have a lot and everything we had kind of fit in some our vehicles and we traveled about and dust never really piled up, which is it's a different life, but it was kind of good. And and then when the kids came along we we, we especially I, Craved stability, craved roots, mm. um, craved you know a, a set bedtime and some routine for yeah. just child development reasons and so forth. But really, just um, for peace of soul, uh, we wanted a home, we wanted a, a church, a place uh, to kind of grow up and and let our kids just kind of um, absorb, you know, just a, a place to call home. and And we did that by returning to my husband's hometown. Uh, bought a little farm and, and doing the old McDonald thing. We have chickens and sheep (laughs) and dogs and cats and honeybees. And, but you know, we, we live so many places and that's a huge part of my story and and my husband's story. We, you know, it's a marriage. It's a very shared story, very connected. And, and God was just with us in all those places and not just so much through the places, but through the people and the people were really a part of our story
0: beautiful so what was your favorite place that you've lived the best memories that you have
1: when we first were married uh, we moved to um, Florida and it was you know spring training was there and then my husband played on a team in Florida and so we're you know basically honeymooning on the beach for a year and it was just (laughs) amazing it was wonderful Um, but Grand Rapids Michigan was also a beautiful place to live and be
0: yeah, fantastic. And Nina, you, um, you haven't been Catholic all your life, have you? You had a conversion no. at some point. Can you take us back and share a little bit about that journey?
1: Sure. Well, um, again, shared stories. My husband wasn't Catholic either. And so when he and I met and um, started dating and we were quickly engaged and, and so forth, faith was a big part of our relationship. And we were encouraging to each other. I hope it was encouraging to him, but, um, we would talk about what we were reading and we would talk about, you know, what we were praying and, and hoping for. And we shared those, um, those dreams and those prayers and those studies and, um, some things were, were kind of not settling well with us. Uh, We were in a church, uh, all those moves, you know, we're hopping and bouncing and, and there's really not one place that we're going to, but a place in the off season that we would kind of return to, um, steadily in the off season, we thought we belonged there. And then, um, some issues came to our attention that the, that the church didn't really have a stance that was very pro-life. They were actually totally okay with abortion, um, for only the reasons listed. And the reasons listed were basically anything. Mm -hmm. And, um, My husband, when he was conceived and in his mother's womb, she came in contact with rubella and her doctor told her that she should have an abortion because baby's probably going to have X, Y, and Z if he even makes it to full term and and so forth. And so she denied that, of course, and sought help from another doctor. And then my husband's born and he's this big, tall, dark, handsome man and, Mm -hmm. (laughs) and wonderful, but to me that had always been very historical, you know, I thought that it was wonderful and encouraging that she hadn't gone through with that, of course, but you know, I've only ever known Wade as this big, Mm -hmm. strong, tall man. And it wasn't until I held my own children that my eyes were really opened to just the atrocity that is abortion. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, I guess so much of my conversion story was really, I just hadn't thought deeply about things. You know, I was living a very, Surface level, um, I don't want to call it shallow. You know, I was diving into what I felt was important and necessary and good, yes. but um, I was only wading, you know, toe deep, <laughs> if mm. that, into the waters. Yeah. And um, you know, children for me, and marriage for me, you know, these this vocation of relationship, wife and mother, and you know, we're all called to a relationship with our Lord and Savior. You know, those relationships have just drawn me so much mm. closer to Him and and deepen my relationship with him and so um, it's a long story all conversion stories are uh, but but basically that that big bump in the road kind of threw us out you know we, we were I felt like we we're on the streets and we we're searching for a church home and and we had to find where we belonged and and who we would be you know where are we going to dive in and invest and and have our children you know we're going to bring them up in this faith and in this church and my husband has just these wonderful memories of church uh, that really formed who he is as a man and I've got scattered different memories but I think they're very formational as well and we were anything but Catholic <laughs> and but I think that's a lot of, of Protestant um yes. conversion stories and I think it was just our um misconceived notions of what, of what Catholics believed and, and what they thought and did. And so we had different friends who were both uh, encouraging to us in different ways. And finally, eventually they, they kind of wore us down and we um, visited the church for for the first time, but during that whole time and all those moves and all the churches and there were a zillion, I don't even know how many we tried. I just kept telling the God, I'm so tired. And that was just, I was way down, I was heavy, I was burdened. And I was like, but Jesus, your, your, your yoke is light, you know, and I'm, I'm seeking you, I'm searching for you, but what he tells us always is, you know, in the seeking you will find, right. And so we kept seeking, we kept trying and, and finally we opened the doors to this cathedral and we, we have no idea what's going on with any of it, but I'm, I'm flipping <laughs> through and, and I'm, I'm listening to this. Um this church service, you know, this mass happening before me. And I didn't even understand what was going on. And, and the response oral Psalm was, um, uh, I'm probably going to miss a a couple of words here, but in, in you, Lord, my soul is at rest and you Lord, my soul is at, you know, we're repeating this, I think it's Psalm 61 or 62. Mm -hmm. And, and I just started weeping, (laughs) you know, like I've been, this is needed rest. I was searching for you. And, and then there he was in the Catholic church.
0: Wow, that's incredible! It's so powerful. Um, to well, it's story. a it's a long story, yeah, <laughs> but but, that's but it. I, I think there's those moments, aren't there, where the Lord just breaks through and comes to meet us where we're at, and He can use experiences, conversations, people, and often he, we, when we look back, it's only when we look back we realise He's been leading us along this journey into a deeper communion with Him. So. That's beautiful. So from that point, how long did it take you before you were received into the church? Did you have a bit of questioning or were you all in from that moment?
1: No, we weren't all in. (laughs) (laughs) I wish we were. I wish it was so easy. But, you know, I think that's probably the moment when most people would say like, oh, your conversion started then. Yes. Um, Which it was a cold time. It was probably February or March or so. And um, we were ended up being received into the church on All Saints Day 2017. So it was a, it was a period of several months. Yes. But um, we were not the most pleasant RCA um, candidates because <laughs> we had so many questions. Yeah. Uh, we came armed with our Bibles and scripture and and everything we thought we knew. And, and um, we had the most patient priest. And it was just it ended up being a beautiful, uh, often funny and humbling experience
0: yeah wow that's fantastic you know my mum was anglican my dad's catholic and Mm -hmm. our four children were all raised catholic and so we he my dad also had a christian bookshop growing up which he would go and do book tables in lots of different denominations and services Mm -hmm. and so i was really exposed to i guess a whole range of denominations and and the way that Mm -hmm. the faith is lived out and I think there's something very beautiful in terms of this movement of unity between the different denominations that it's, I I don't know, I've really come to appreciate, I guess, just appreciating what other denominations bring. I I know for us as Catholics, sometimes we don't know our Bibles very well. And I really enjoy, Mm -hmm. you know, some of those Pentecostal pastors where they're really unpacking the scripture for us in a deep way and and connecting us, not only to the scripture, but to the history and and how it all links throughout the Bible. So you've got it all, you've had that experience and then you've got the beautiful merging of the richness of our (laughs) our Catholic tradition. It's certainly
1: a beautiful faith. And, and with Jesus, I think, absolutely, we do have it all. Um, it, you know, I always, my friend who was Catholic, it was kind of, you know, encouraging me along. She would always tell me, she's like, you're Catholic, you just don't know it. <laughs> and I think that's a lot of it, you know, the yeah, church universal. Yeah. I think that's a lot of it. So we just don't know it yet, maybe. Yes. So, so I yeah. cling to that.
0: Yeah, it's beautiful. I know I just, over the years, we've spoken, my husband and I in different churches as well. And One thing that I just keep coming back to is we have, there's such a depth to our Catholic faith and there's such Mm -hmm. symbolism and richness, but sometimes this isn't communicated in a way that connects with people. Like you said, when you came into Mm -hmm. the church, you didn't understand. It took many months to really unpack and understand and you were gifted with that beautiful priest who could be that, Mm -hmm. that vessel, I guess, to explain and to teach and to form you. Um, What would be, I guess, key formation areas that you would see that are really lacking for Catholic women, like areas of growth that we can dive into in our faith?
1: Goodness, well with the Catholic faith I think you have so many different opportunities to grow your faith right and to grow closer to Jesus so all the sacraments offer us those opportunities and so I would just encourage people to ask the Lord what that is for them and, and go to him in just honest prayer, uh, you know, prayer is something I so know the necessity of it and, and how important it is. And, you know, as a parent, I know, I want my kids to talk to me and I know I want them to come to me and I love our Lord. And still, I'm sometimes just so hesitant, you know, I just sit there and push back and don't do it the way that I feel like he's calling me to. And so I would say to really go and just honest, bear raw prayer to him. Cause he knows, he knows our areas that will grow us and and grow our hearts. And, and also I'd say, you know, open the word and and let it speak to your life and, and never be afraid to go to him there because Mm. just so much peace and, you know, all the years that we were traveling with baseball, you know, there's not really church on Sunday when, when there's a ball game at noon, um, at least, you know, in, in our, understanding of where we were at that time. You know, that meant like my husband's at the field by 8am. And then if I go, I go by myself and, you know, I was hesitant to do that, but sometimes I did, but all throughout that time, you know, we had our Bibles and, and we earnestly sought him and prayed. And I just, I don't know where I would be without scripture and and Mm -hmm. what it's done for me
0: yeah amen and so nina you've written two books one called the birds and the bees which i believe is a romance novel is that <laughs> correct for adults and then the other is a garden for mary which is a children's book which mm-hmm. Dan books sent me a copy of and it's really beautiful and we'll put the link to it in the show notes for women to, to purchase a copy can you share with me a little bit about i mean that's a massive jump from like an adult romance novel to a children's oh. book about the blessed mother and i guess that's one of the areas that i guess there's a lot of confusion over is the role of mary in our lives as catholics especially for protestants or people not of catholic mm-hmm. faith so right. what was that journey for you i guess coming to Firstly, I guess, let's talk about the book first, that jump, because that's an interesting jump. And then we'll move into, because I'd really love to dive into, I guess the role that Mary plays in our lives as Catholic women in whatever season we find ourselves in, whether we're single, in consecrated life, married life, parenting, in the professional Mm -hmm. world, Mary is this perfect exemplar she offers Mm -hmm. us a beautiful example of how to live our vocation of womanhood in its fullest sense so that's where I'd like to go but take us back to first book second book and such a big jump what made you want to write the first novel that you did
1: well um again my husband's a professional baseball player so on our first date and then all throughout you know the early years of our marriage he asked me you know well what do you want to do what what's your dream because you know he was living his you know from the time he was a tiny little boy he wanted to play baseball Yeah. and and so when you tell someone like that uh, what you would like to do they said well we'll do it. So uh, we'll try. And, um, you know, of course there's prayer and all that stuff that goes into it, of course, but, but that mentality, that athlete mentality. And I think that's a big part of that, but I told him I would love to be a writer. You know, I would love to write a you know one book that's what uh, anybody who hasn't written a book yet they want to write just one it's that first yes. one and
0: <laughs> then you can't and
1: stop <laughs> then you, yeah yeah then the ideas. there's either more ideas and no time or too much time and no ideas but it's a constant writer problem but um so he was the one when I told him that he was the one to really encourage me to pursue that and it was you know something I'd tinkered with you know for many years but then we had kids and, and writing just seemed like a far-fetched idea. Well, then the two kids could never sleep unless I was sitting in their room with them. And so I literally had a beanbag chair and a laptop and I would sit there for an hour, you know, waiting for these kids to fall asleep. And I type a little story and, you know, through the course of, you know, a year and a half or, or whatever it took, I ended up writing a story. And, and after we've had our conversation here, it sounds so funny. It's about a nurse, which is what I was doing when I met my husband and uh, a girl who falls for a baseball player, a professional baseball oh, player. And so <laughs> I should say it's, um, it's a fiction. It's not true. It's not really based on us, even though the, the ball player is, you know, very tall, dark and handsome and very Wade, like very much like my husband. Yes. But, um, you know, during this time, we're also journeying into the Catholic faith and, and we are new converts and we're just, Um, stepping out further into our faith and what that means for our family. And so it's a Christian novel, but the plot line is a to Jesus through Mary story. It's a, it's a pro-life story. Um, It's a story about how we have all these, our life is really made up of choices, you know, turn left, turn right, go forward, step back, uh, say yes or say no. And, and our life kind of is a result of that. And, you know, of course there are things we don't choose, you know, nobody chooses cancer and, Mm -hmm. and uh, issues, but it's how we respond to those things. Mm -hmm. Right. So we choose our response. And so that's really that book in a nutshell, um, which is just funny because it's, it's, it's me. Like if you get a glimpse into like my, my what I'm thinking, I guess, or, or what I'm praying on, um, and then the next one is a children's book, and it's about a mom with her two kids. And so, of course, I imagined it with two boys. And it's so, it's so like my relationship, this girl growing and and finding Jesus and her faith, and and then going further, it's this mom who is now instructing her children in the faith. And so, it's it's a beautiful way that God's um, grown me. And, and I think you can see um, my heart in both of them for sure. Mm. And, and you can see the Mary, the Mary plot line, of course, in, in both of them and, and how she has just been so instrumental in my life.
0: Yeah, it, that's beautiful. I love the, the jump and the themes that run throughout both of them. Can you explain to me, because coming into the Catholic Church from being a Protestant, like you just would have had no concept really for Mary. Right. So, no. so what was that journey for you, coming to understand who she is, and then a relationship with her, and more importantly, a relationship through, you know, with her son through her. Like, what was that journey exactly. for you?
1: Um, I was very hesitant, and I, I got to speak with my friend today, who really encouraged me. She's a sister in Spain now but um she was very encouraging with me for this whole journey and and we laughed today to think about how I was how I approached Mary before because I was just like she's just another gal you know like just another girl and and like really probably really good probably better than me but you know I was just so um just didn't think about things and and I think that's um so many of our issues in the world today I think people just aren't thinking deeply and if we stop to I had a minister one time who said you know if God would just grant us the eyes to see the spiritual world for just a moment you know it would change our entire lives and and I think that's what it is we just neglect what we can't see and and it is such a spiritual thing and so Mary I couldn't see you know, her part of the story, you know, I had Jesus, I knew Jesus, I loved Jesus, but then he introduced me to his mom. And, and just like, I know my husband better for knowing his mother and how his mother has loved him. Um, my relationship with Jesus has gotten so much better. And just to, to see him through the eyes of his mother, to think of him, um, through the way that she's maybe thought of him or ministered to him or loved him. And, and I just, it's funny, I kept asking the same questions, you know, like, well, what do you mean we don't worship and What do you mean about this? And what do you mean immaculate conception? And like, I kept asking these same questions over and over and over. And, and my dear friend in Spain, she would be like, how many times do we need to go over this? <laughs> and I was just like, well, I don't know. And she's like, we need to go over it until your head and your heart connect because there's a disconnect there and, and it needs to settle here. And before you get it here. And, and I think that's what it was. It, I just was really too hesitant to let her into my heart that she, I wasn't letting her seek in anywhere.
0: Mm. And so you eventually came to that place. And then how has your relationship with her grown? What does that look like for you as a mom and a wife, a Catholic woman today?
1: Well, I think, um, you know, as saints for me in general were a different, difficult concept. Mm. And my husband and, you know, I grew up in a baseball family. It wasn't like I met my husband and suddenly became a baseball fan. Like we are from just this athletic I'm I'm not the athlete (laughs) but (laughs) I come from this athletic family and and so we always had heroes right you know our favorite ball players and our favorite you know I I guess it's celebrity or or whatever you know we always had these heroes and um, then I was so hesitant it's so odd to me that I was so hesitant to embrace the saints because these are our heroes of our faith the thing that I would have absolutely always claimed was the most important thing to me and and then we have the queen of the heroes, right? The queen of the saints, uh, Mary. I was like the most. Um, I gave her the most pushback, and so it's so odd for me to think of that. But but now I look at her really, you know, there there's that maternal, the maternal eyes that I look to her to. You know, as a spiritual mother, um, I look to her as a hero. You know, an example to follow. Um, and sometimes I just look to her just for comfort. And, and I think that that's, that, that's the, the maternal eyes that we see her with. It's funny to me as a Catholic mom, as a mom in general, to um, some of the greatest mothers I know aren't Catholic, and, and they, we've even had conversations and they give me pushback on Mary (laughs) and not that I'm like this great champion, always out there telling everybody they need her, but, um, but they do, they give, they give some pushback. And I just think, but you're so like her, you know, and like you're, you're, you'd be really good friends. And, and I think that that's, um, that's where I am with her. She's just a Mm -hmm. really wonderful mom, Mm -hmm. you know, and I, I have a great mother, um, I feel this, she has just this beautiful sacrificial giving, like she will just do anything in the world for you, help you in any way possible. And so it's a gift anytime that you have good parents, because, yeah, it is. you know, the father, <laughs> there, there are so many things that I think you would potentially miss if you didn't have that experience or mm-hmm. on earth, you know, with a, with a biological mother or father, but I, yes. the parent it's, um, it's such an important relationship and, and Mary, her, what's the one thing she wants to give us, you know, I, she wants to give us her son. She wants to give us, you know, all the joy and the hope and the love and the peace that comes from her son. And, and so I just, I love that. I'm so thankful for that.
0: Yeah, it's so beautiful. And I think you're right. Like she she is this mother that yes, we have our biological or earthly mothers, but we also have this heavenly mother. I remember um talking to somebody once, this little girl, she said, Well, I have three mothers. She said I have Holy Mother Church, <laughs> I have my own mummy, and then I have Mother Mary. <laughs> I thought that was that was very cute. She was really young. But it was interesting because I grew up like we grew up and we were raised Catholic, but Mary mm-hmm. Marian devotion wasn't a big part possibly because mum was protestant in our home Mm -hmm. and it wasn't until sort of in my adulthood after i got married that i came to a really deep i guess it was a, a revelation and an awakening to her beauty and her role in my life i remember being on retreat and there was this big cross and i felt like jesus came down quite literally and presented his mother to me and it was such mm-hmm. a beautiful encounter and, and ever since mm-hmm. that point, she's been very close to me and often lo- sort of spent a lot of time reading about John Paul II's experience with Mary. So he lost his own mother at a very young age and the Blessed Mother became such an important person in his life and and praying the rosary and his devotion to her was extraordinary and really beautiful and so she kind of modelled for him this motherhood In a very supernatural powerful way and and I think for women who haven't had either their mother has passed away or whether their mum has abandoned them through her own issues and her own sin or whether or not that she just has they haven't had a good relationship with their own mother the Lord offers us his mum to mother us And all women, as women, we need to be mothered. Yes, we're mothering and whether they're our biological children or whether we're spiritually mothering other younger people coming after us, we ourselves need that mothering and and we receive that through mentors and other women who are (laughs) older and more mature, but we also receive that through the Blessed Mother and... It's beautiful. One of the things that you pick up in your book is creating a garden for Mary. And I'm wondering if you can talk a little bit about that and that the role of flowers, because sometimes in the faith, if people haven't received formation or for whatever Mm -hmm. reason, we can read these things or we can hear these things and they seem like lofty ideas. So we can read about the saints and we can just think of them as people in the stained glass windows in our church. But they're actually real. They're they're present to Mm -hmm. us and we can have access to them. And there are different ways that we can do this through prayer, through devotion. Um, But one of the ways that you pick up in your book is through this Building a Garden for Mary. Can you explain a little bit about that for us?
1: Well, sure. Well, this is a, a project of the heart because I never saw devotion to Mary modeled in the home. And, you know, I'm work as a lay minister in our church and I'm working with children a lot and, and their families. And I'm seeing, you know, how do we, how do we teach people? How do we show people, how do we evangelize and bring them Jesus? And, um, you know, I'm to Jesus through Mary mm-hmm. is, is just the theme of, of everything I've written here lately, but this theme of Marian gardens and, and what is that and how do they help us evangelize? And, um, and draw us nearer to a conversion of our own hearts, you know, ongoing conversion. But what that is, is, you know, in medieval times the majority of people couldn't read and they couldn't write. And, and so the church had to get very creative. How are they going to get the message of the gospel out to everybody? And, and so since they couldn't pass out a Bible to everybody, and even if they could, they couldn't read it. Um, they became, um, Again, very creative. They had stained glass windows and hymns and songs, and then they also did these things called Marian gardens. And so, around the, you know, I imagine these little country churches. <laughs> I guess I'm thinking about our little Kentucky place. I'm sure it was <laughs> over in Europe, uh, but they had um, gardens around their churches, and and the gardens would have different flowers. And plants that were associated, you know, often with our lady or, Mm -hmm. or different saints and scriptures and things about Jesus's life. And so anybody who would see those could kind of tell another one, they could point to an iris and it's long stalk, and, and show them how it looks like a sword. You know, I always talk about irises because I have little boys. My I guess that's probably their favorites, but, um, and they could talk about how that sword was to pierce Mary's heart, you know, the prophecy, Mm -hmm and and they could pass on those or or if they saw lavender uh, there's a legend that the reason lavender um or rosemary you know switches because legends do that <laughs> but mm-hmm. um the reason that they sell smell so sweetly is because mary hung the infant jesus's clothes his laundry to dry on them and and mm-hmm. since then you know those botanicals have the wonderful sweet scent that we know them for there you go. um so there are just a lot of ways that flowers have started to, not started since, you know, a thousand years have been evangelizing hearts. And, you know, I think of the created and, and a lot of times we, we get all that wrong about celebrating it and, and so forth. And it is to be celebrated, you know, God created the world and he, he said it was good and, and we're to live in it and, and to enjoy it and to um, see our maker in it and how he did this for us. You know, he adorned the world with these beautiful flowers and he did it for us. And so of course they point to him, of course, Mm -hmm. you know, the beauty of them, um, draws us, you know, something on, on the ground, something on the ground points us to heaven. And so, um, the devotion to Mary and how it's getting back to your original question, how it takes us closer to Mary and closer to Jesus. You know, Every little flower has its own little story, and you know a marion garden doesn't have to be three acres of sunflowers mm-hmm. it could be just a, a single little flower pot in a window sill and you know put a little mary statue in it if you'd like but it's just you know it's a matter of the heart yeah. too so i think it's all about you know what are we doing this for and, and how who are we glorifying our yes. our days through
0: Absolutely and I think having those visual reminders we're living in such a Mm -hmm. busy world and like you said you Mm -hmm. you referenced you were living on a superficial level but to live at that deeper heart level sometimes we need to really connect with some of those images and some of those visual things in our Mm -hmm. world. I know my husband used a lot of um he likes religious artwork and so we initially I was resistant to that but now I'm really grateful because we have a few pieces in our home and they mm-hmm. just remind us as you're walking around and you're busy and you're rushing from one room to another it's like that's right like there's one we've got a beautiful print of the Holy Family and it's near the lounge room as we walk from the lounge room to the kitchen and every day we're all walking past it and it's just focusing on that just reminds me of my role as a mother in the home and my role in this mm-hmm. family and so I think those visual reminders whether they're religious artwork or the garden are really important they're really important for our children who are living in such a tech saturated world that we kind of mm-hmm. get sucked into this vortex and this other world through our phones and through iPads mm-hmm. but to come back and to reconnect with nature and, and faith in nature is a really beautiful gift that we as women can give I guess our children and those around us
1: Well, uh, we live on a little farm and um, some days it doesn't feel little. It feels like a whole lot of work, (laughs) Work. Um, (laughs) but there's nothing that can be done quickly. And, you know, we had 27 bales of hay delivered last night and uh, the, the truck came, the farmer dropped it all off, put it in the yard and and then my husband and I looked at each other and we're like, well, how does that get into the barn? You know, like it's picking yeah. up one huge, happy bale of hay at a time and putting it you know, up on a pallet so it doesn't get wet or something like that. Yes. But yeah. but nothing happens so instantly like we're so becoming so accustomed to. And I think that's one of the things that's um, a little disenchanting for children and, and faith. And I say children, you know, loosely, you know, all the way, you know, mm. um, up to teens and so forth, mm. because you feel like, uh, well, I said that prayer and I don't feel anything, you know, and, and I wonder if, if that's all sort of the, the plot and the ploy against us uh, to get us, you know, sucked into the games and the, and the screens and so forth, because we, we get accustomed to things happening quickly and we get accustomed to quick fixes, but, but, you know, prayer and faith, it's, it's a journey, right? And and St. Paul says, you know, continue the race and continue and strive on well,
0: with endurance. And
1: with endurance, <laughs> with yeah, but oh, I don't, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want yes. that. <laughs> yes. um, yeah, I don't want that. So I think that, you know, getting my kids in the garden and, and on the farm, it was just really important to me, and, and I grew up around gardening, and and I saw just a lot of value in, in the hard work part of that, yes, but there's so much family that is around it. You know, um, I just wrote something about being in the county fair and and we entered all these little things into our county fair to have someone judge you know if we're going to get a blue ribbon for our honey and we did and or oh, <laughs> or yeah or so thank you <laughs> or for sunflowers or, or whatever else but they put your name you know who who does the award go to and and the sunflower struck me because you know that we had three acres of sunflowers it was just this beautiful um i don't know picturesque field and and then you know the, there's weeds and everything now but but I sat there and thought, you know, I was the one that said it'd be pretty, but then my husband went and bought the seed. He went and tilled the field. He went and put it in the ground. And then, you know, I went and snipped them when they were full and, and out there. And so I'm just like, well, who do, who do we give the credit to, Mm you know, but, but really it's um, it's just a testament to being out there and with our family and working together. And, you know, it's it's like the parable of the sower. You know, keep on planting, keep on sowing, um, because there's hope in that. You know, uh, make the fertile ground or find the fertile ground or pray through that fertile ground um, yes. to where God will, will grow. You have word.
0: absolutely. And you're talking about like a physical garden, and and the metaphor here is just that garden of our it's, soul. That yes. like God is, and we we need to really be coming before Him, and we need to ask Mary as well for her intercession to help us to till the soil of our soul. Because if we don't attend to that, if we're not investing in that, then we know what happens to the ground in gardening. If if we're not Mm -hmm. tilling the soil, if we're not nurturing the soil, well, eventually something can't grow. And so for our faith to grow, we need to be constantly tilling the soil in terms of Faith and pouring into ourselves with formation, with the sacraments, mm-hmm. with prayer, with devotions, with community of like minded people. These are really important mm-hmm. things, especially in our culture today. I think, you know, it's becoming increasingly difficult to hold on to faith for people in this culture. Mm-hmm. We've seen a drop, a huge drop in the number of people mm-hmm. returning to church after COVID lockdowns, and people just don't see it as necessary. And I think you picked up on one thing, that concept of endurance, that running Mm -hmm. this race with endurance, it's a long game. And really, our life and all the things that happen in the everyday are taking place behind a much bigger or in front of a much bigger backdrop. And that Mm -hmm. backdrop is a battle for our soul it's a battle for our soul that's what we're we're living in this spiritual battle where everything of the world wants to seek to pull us away from intimacy with the lord and seek to pull us away from cultivating i guess that relationship but also the mindset that we're going to go through the mountains and the valleys and to remain faithful to him and remain in relationship with him even though he might not be answering prayer as we would like but it's it, there's all this tilling of the soil and and a reminder that our life is taking place behind or in front of this spiritual battle for our soul.
1: Uh, right. And, you know, and as mothers uh, and fathers, you know, as parents in general, you know, it's, we're not doing it alone and, and little eyes are watching. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's something that um, has just really pushed me in my faith to, you know, show them that I'm praying, to show them that I'm staying, to show them that I'm struggling or suffering. And, um, you know, not that I want to put all my burdens or anything on my children, but I want them to see that, you know, uh, living in this world, um, there's this world <laughs> and then there's heaven and, and what we're striving for. Uh, yeah. But, um, you know, I, I hear a lot of times, you know, our one goal in life is to get to heaven. And I'm like, well, yes, but I want everybody to come with me too. And so, not that I can like work, you know, for them, but, but in a way I think what we do and what we say and how we love, I think that that's certainly a Testament. And just with my own story, I didn't just appear in a Catholic church one day. And I am certain that when I appear in front of God one day, that all the people who have poured into me, who have spoken truth over me, who have prayed for me, you know, all those people are part of my story. And And so I think it's, you know, a part of also, you know, our responsibility as Christians to, to be praying for others and to be that example for others, especially in this world, you know, especially when it's difficult, Um, you know, I'm homeschooling right now. And so I'm hearing uh, a lot of history and, you know, we think it's hard now, but I think it was hard. It's always been hard, you know, and I think the challenges now might just be different, um, but, but I think that the goals remain the same and I think, and I know that the God remains the same. Yes. And so we just pursue him and, and he's already there with us. Yeah. And, and so Amen. I think it, it'll all be okay.
0: <laughs> yeah. Amen. Beautiful. So Nina, where can people go to find your book? Are you on social media yourself? Can they follow you? I am.
1: I am. I'm on Instagram, Nina Gaynor. Um, Facebook, Nina Gaynor, words like honey. Um, I have a website and blog where I do a lot of writing wordslikehoney.com. And it's based off of, you know, Proverbs 16, 24. It depends on the translation, but kind, gracious or pleasant words are like honey, good for the soul and healthy for the body. And so it's a lot of things that are just kind of based upon um, not just pleasant things and pleasantries, but, uh, but what's good and and beautiful and, and just our Lord.
0: Well I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Nina. If you would like to order a copy of her book, A Garden for Mary, you can do so at tanbookswww.tanbooks.com. The Blessed Mother really is the exemplar for how to live as a Catholic woman in the world today. And John Paul II writes very beautifully about the role of Mary, our Blessed Mother, in his writings to women, mulieris dignitatum, and his letter to women. If this has triggered something within your heart and you would like to go a little bit deeper, can I invite you to join us in the Feminine Genius Course. This is not a live course, this is a course that you can buy online and work through at your own pace. We really deep dive into what it means to live as a Catholic woman in the world today and living out our feminine genius in light of the example that Mary set before us. You can find that course, The Genius Project Feminine Genius Course on our website www.geniusproject.co Ladies, make sure you head on over to the website or on Instagram and register for the live Virtual Catholic Women's Summit coming up in October. This is an incredible event where we just gather with many women and we have beautiful speakers who are just going to pour into you. You will come away encouraged and renewed in your faith. It's a fabulous opportunity to just come together with lots of like-minded Catholic women. If you live in Australia, you can also register now for the Sisterhood National Catholic Women's Conference which will be held from the 17th to the 19th of March next year, 2023 in Sydney, Australia. This is a beautiful weekend, ladies, an in-person event, and we can't wait to see you there. If you've liked what you've heard on the podcast, can I ask you to do me a favour and head on over to the podcast platform and leave a review and a rating. This really helps to spread the word of The Genius Podcast and support the work that we're doing through The Genius Project. You can also watch the live recording on our our Genius Project YouTube channel. And we'd love you if you are on social media to join us at Genius underscore Project underscore daily. Ladies, as always, it's been a pleasure to serve you on the Genius Podcast. I hope and pray that the week ahead is blessed. And I really want to encourage you just to carve out some time to cultivate this relationship with the Blessed Mother and her son through her immaculate heart. Have a beautiful week, ladies. God bless you. We'll see you back here next Tuesday for another episode of The Genius Podcast.